Good morning. It's great to see you. I'm going to squeeze one more quick announcement uh, at you. We are offering a group. It's called Beginning Steps, and it's going to begin next Sunday during the second gathering. It's for new believers. Like if you've recently trusted Christ as your forgiver from sins and the leader of your life, this is a group for you. If you've been a Christian a while and you've never really learned the basics of Christianity, here's a chance to learn some of the basic practices of being a follower of Christ. If you're interested, text Genesis begins next Sunday, three weeks, beginning steps. I want to encourage you, if that's you, to get involved with this. Now I'm going to have you stand up. Please stand up. I'm going to read uh, the scripture reading. It's from Mark chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 and then 20 through 23. It's found on page 1292 in the Journey Bible. There should be a Journey Bible nearby. Grab that and look up page 1292. It'll be on the screen as well. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Verse 20, he went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, Arrogance and folly, envy, and these evils come from inside and defile a person. This is God's word. You can be seated. I have been in a courtroom on a few occasions. One time was as a juvenile delinquent. That's a story for another day. Other times, as a pastor, I've been in a courtroom for uh, people in my congregation, people that I love who were facing uh, court proceedings. 
And there is nothing like a courtroom to sober you to the reality that there is truth and there are falsehoods. Now, one thing I've never had to do, it's sit on the witness stand, put my hand on a Bible, and vow to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I've never had the opportunity to do that in a court setting, but I know someone very close to me who has. Her name is Brenda. A couple of years ago, uh, because not to do with me, okay, <laughs> To do with her job, uh, she had to go and present herself. And uh, I remember she was very nervous the day before, not because she has an inclination to lie or anything like that, but uh, it's very intense. The prosecuting attorney was intense, and the uh, defense attorney was intense. And it was all, the intensity was pointed at the pursuit of, of truth. And I remember she was greatly relieved when it was all over. And she was even more relieved when she didn't get asked to come back again. <laughs> Today we're going to pursue truth. That's what we do here at Genesis. That's what we do in this worship gathering. We're here to earnestly and sincerely pursue truth. And we want to pursue truth about a question that puzzles many people. And here it is. Why do I have the sense that I'm not all right? Why do I have the sense that I'm not all right? Why do I have the sense inside of me that something is wrong? You know, it might be shame. You might be a person who is ashamed of their background, where they grew up, their parents. You may have shame about where you are right now. You hope to be in a different point, and you're not. It might be guilt. Guilt is inner turmoil about bad choices. You've made some bad choices. You did some things wrong, and you're, you're, you're facing the consequences of those, and, and you have guilt about it. It may be just an overall feeling that you don't measure up. Rocky Balboa fights Apollo Creed, not to win, but to prove he's not a bum. Remember? Yo, Adrian. It may be the fear of missing out, FOMO. That's what tells you that something's not right. The New York Times defines FOMO as the blend of anxiety, inadequacy, and irritation that can flare up while skimming social media. Many call this existential uncertainty. Existential is just a fancy word for existence. There's an uncertainty about your existence. And it brings about dread. It brings about anxiety. Well, we're in a series. We've been studying Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Um, where it's called Real Jesus. And Jesus is the God you do not expect. And that's what we've been studying. And if you're interested in, maybe this is your first time here, I just want to welcome you or first time listening in. Um, if you'd like a link to some of those talks from the past, we'd be more than willing to help you uh, send you a link for that. Someone recently said this about Jesus. Jesus wasn't nice. He was kind. Think about that. There's a difference between being nice and being kind. Um, Being nice is being pleasant and agreeable. 
But being kind is a little deeper. And sometimes it involves doing something hard. It involves sharing truth. And, and that's who Jesus is. Jesus is a truth teller. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the truth. He is the way and he is the life. And so um, Jesus, the truth for us today is the truth about the human condition. The truth about you as a human being, the truth about humanity, that's what we're going to look at today. And, and kind of the main idea is if we accept the truth of our human condition, we're in a position to be all right. Do you want to be all right? Do you want to be in a position where you have peace inside and joy and just kind of like, and it, and it makes sense? Then accept the truth of the human condition as Jesus puts it forth. So what I'm going to do today in this talk, I'm going to give you three falsehoods and three truths that Jesus presents about the human condition. Here's the first falsehood. If our environment was good, we would have no problems. If our environment was good, we'd have no problems. It's sort of like this. You're all right, I'm all right, but if the environment is bad, then we're not all right. And what we're going to see is Jesus is showing us this is false. This is not true. Uh, This philosophy, though, it goes like this. If you grew up in a bad home and you had bad parents that influenced you wrongly or had other bad, you know, like the neighborhood you grew up in, there was other bad influencers. You don't need to feel guilty about what you've done or shameful about the mistakes you've made. The environment is the reason. The environment is the cause for why you are the way that you are. But that's not the whole story. That's not the whole story. And taken as I'm presenting it, it's a falsehood. And I want to just say this is largely the mindset of the Western world, the world we live in. This is largely the way we look at society and we look at wrongdoing is it's environmental. We see it reflected here. David Gemmel uh, was a, uh, an author who passed away. Uh, and this is what he says, Trust your instincts and make judgment on what your heart tells you. The heart will not, your heart will not betray you, is what the late David Gemmel said. And our, our society constantly says this. Trust your heart. Just do what your heart says. Be true to who you are. You've, you've heard this, haven't you? And it, it sounds encouraging, it sounds good. It sounds like, yeah, that's, that's what we need and that's what we want. But it's a falsehood. Look what Jesus says in these verses. I'll read them again. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within. Out of a person's heart that the evil thoughts come. And then look at these. And, and I want you to think about this list, this is a really exhaustive list. I want you to think about what's the one you gravitate toward? Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, Slander, arrogance, and folly. 
And then Jesus ends, all these evils come from inside and defile the person. What is tripping you up? So here's the truth. Truth number one, the human heart is corrupt. The human heart is corrupt. It's not what is outside of us. It's not something we can just wash our hands and then have all the defilements, the evil washed away. No, it's within us. What is within us is extremely unpleasant. This is what Jesus is saying. I've used the word corrupt, and and it's uh, rotten or putrid. Uh, One time I was walking, and I was about ready to walk by a big old dumpster. And I walked, I got within 15 feet of this big old dumpster, and I smelled the worst smell I have ever smelled in my life. It almost knocked me to the ground. I am serious. It was terrible. Tepid is the word. It was just like, oh my goodness. And I almost started the dry heaves. And what I had found out is that someone in the trailer park, their freezer had went out, and they had like half a beef in there. And they put all the meat in this dumpster. And that's a picture. That's a picture of of what is going on in here. Let me unpack it a little bit more. We're born with a sin nature. Now, we've had quite a baby boom at Genesis. It's been incredible, just all the babies popping out. I I wonder if people know how that happens. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, this is wonderful. we got one in the back right now. And uh, we've been able to do some visits and and stuff like that. And and there's more on the way. I'm just giving you a warning. And and, uh, you know what? Here's the interesting thing. I'm going to give all these new parents a clue. Is you're not going to have to teach your little beautiful baby to be naughty. You're not going to have to teach them that. It is going to very naturally happen. And it's going to happen in many different ways, and some of which you're not going to enjoy very much. And that's what Scripture teaches us, that we're all rebels. We're all rebels from birth. Romans 3.23 is a famous passage. It says, For all have sinned. Sin is wrongdoing. Sin is rebellion. We've all sinned. And fallen short of God's glory. And that same passage says there is no one righteous. No one right. No one all right. Not even one. Not even one of us. And so even, so think about this. Even in a perfect environment, there's going to be problems. In a perfect environment, because we're sinful and have a sin nature, there's going to be problems. I want you to think about the home where the parents are great parents. They follow the Lord and they protect their children and their children grow up in an incredibly loving and generous environment and they become rebels. They turn away from God. It breaks my heart to even think about it. But it happens, doesn't it? And you all know of cases where that's happened. And it's not to say that bad environment has nothing to do with anything. That's not what this point is about. We're blaming something when we say it's the environment. The bad environment contributes and increases the problem. And so we must be vigilant because sin is in our hearts. And we need to know, we need to be aware of our weakness. What is the place where you are the most tempted? And then stay out of that environment. 
This is what Jeremiah 17, 9. This is a famous passage, and I know I've spoken on this topic before. But the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah the prophet. You can't solely trust what is in your heart. If you solely trust your heart, you will be deceived. You will be deceived. Now that doesn't mean you ignore what's in your heart. It doesn't mean that you stuff what's in your heart. This is what you do. What is in your heart, you test it. You test what is in your heart. A number of years ago, I had an opportunity. And I had to test my heart about it. It was an opportunity to go somewhere else and do something different. And I had to test my heart. And how did I do that? I had to pray. I had to pour over God's word. I had to talk to people that know me. That know my weaknesses. That know that I may want to do something so that people will think higher of me. And things like that. Right? And so we need to test our heart. So the first truth of the human condition is the heart, the human heart is corrupt. Do you know that? Do you accept that? Let's move on to the second falsehood. With hard work, discipline, and determination, we can fix our problems. With hard work, discipline, and determination, we can fix our problems. Verse 5, So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their foods with defiled hands. What the Pharisees were basically saying is that we are following a way to deal with the impurity in the world, to deal with the impurity in our lives. And then the question pointed at Jesus was, why don't you and your disciples follow the rules? You ever heard that before? And Jesus basically saying, no way, Jose. You are wrong. You know, and um, their, their philosophy is if you keep the rules, you will be clean. If you force yourself to follow the mores and the rules that are laid out, you will be clean. And this is moralism. This is a, one of the ways that we would describe this. But it's a falsehood about the condition of humanity. So the Pharisees, who were they? And by the way, if you're interested in the notes, you can text Genesis, and I have some resources. One is an article on Pharisees. I don't have enough time to tell you all the things that are very interesting about the Pharisees. But the Pharisees were a group of people. They were a sect of Judaism, and they put forth a really strong conviction and and vision of morality and obedience. And their strong vision came from an evolving oral tradition. They had an oral tradition. Not something written down, but just passed on orally. And it was evolving. It was growing. They were always adding more things to their oral tradition. More rules. But it all came from the Torah. They were extrapolating and enhancing what was in the Torah. They were just trying to say, okay, here's generally what the Torah says, so this is what it must mean. And they would make a rule about it. And then they would pass it on. Uh, For an example, uh, in the Torah, by the way, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, also known as the Pentateuch, but it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are the five books of Moses. The Torah, the law, 
Okay, and so they, um, in the Torah, there is a there is a command that priests who go into the tabernacle were required to wash their hands. So they took that and extrapolated from that that everybody should wash every time they go out, and that was kind of how the oral tradition got built. And they they really believed they they were earnest in this that the this oral tradition is a fence around the Torah. It's something to preserve the integrity of the Old Testament. The focus on moralism, though, is on human effort. It's on what you can do. And the idea is if you try hard enough, you will be able to make yourself good. But this doesn't work. And Jesus rebuked this teaching. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and hold on to human tradition. So here's the second truth. The first one was the human heart is corrupt. The second truth is right living does not, what does it say? Does not come from human effort. It does not solely come from a human who is trying harder and harder and harder. Verse um, 6 and 7, Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Wow. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips. Check this out. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Their hearts are far from me. When we're trying to do it on our own, through our own human effort, it can make an appearance of righteousness. It can look like, oh, look how that person looks. They're, they're doing what is right. You know, they're at church. They gave money. They, they help other people. But inside what is going on. And it produces hypocrisy and other types of superiority. This is what Jesus says. Uh, The Greek word for hypocrite, this is the original language, it's a technical term that means play a part on a stage. That's what hypocrite, it it came from the idea of wearing a mask and playing a part on a stage. It means to act in a role without sincerity. So you see, moralism leads to self-righteousness. When we're just under human effort, we're trying to do, we're trying to show everybody that we give or we do X, Y, Z, and it's like, look, I'm righteous because of self, because of what I've done. And this is what Jesus is saying is false. It's not genuine transformation. Let me tell you about my first car. It was not a 64 and a half Mustang. It was not a 1970 Chevelle. no. It was a 1979 Ford Granada. We have a picture of one like it. The ugliest car in the face of the human existence, right there. Just terrible. Went down the road like this because the springs were broke. Not very gas efficient. And had rust all over the place. My brother and I both put 200 bucks in, so it was a $400 car. And, uh, you know, we were just like, this thing is embarrassing. If you ever saw any pretty girls, it was like duck. (laughs) You know, fortunately, Brenda never had to see me driving this 1979 Ford Granada. 
They had rust everywhere, and we were like, oh, this thing is rusting, you know, it looks terrible. And so we did industrial painting, and we had some epoxy paint, so we just got a paintbrush, and we just painted all over it. So it had all these paint streaks all over it. And, uh, you know, it was just our way of dealing with a problem. And let me just tell you, it wasn't a very effective way. Because the corrosion emerges through human effort. It just came right through. It wasn't long when we could see uh, the rust again. You can't put a Band-Aid on cancer if you're only using human effort to deal with the human condition. It's just a matter of time until the rust comes out, until the sinfulness that is there will come out again. The human condition is corrupt. That's our first truth. And right living does not come from human effort. Let's look at the third falsehood here. Falsehood number three. Since we cannot overcome, eat, drink, and be merry, for we all die tomorrow. This is a philosophy. This is a, it's called pessimism. It's called uh, fatalism. Sometimes people feel powerless to do anything. They know their human efforts don't work. They know that. You may be here this morning You know that. You've tried and you can't. You would readily agree with that. And so they just do what they do. They just stay in it. Uh, It may be an addiction of some sort that has great power over them, over you. Maybe it's an attitude. attitude. Maybe it's a complaining attitude. You just complain all the time. It's like you complain to your spouse, you complain to your kids, you complain to the mailman, you know, you go in to get groceries, you complain, you complain, you complain, and it's like you try to stop, but you just, you just keep doing it because you're, you're not dealing with the real issue. And, and some think that, why try? I'm just going to be who I am. Or I, I might as well have fun and indulge in everything I desire because I can't change this. And it doesn't matter. And I want you to know that that is a lie from the evil one who hates your guts and wants to destroy you. It does matter. You do matter. And there is a way. Here's the third truth. You can't change your heart, but the Lord can if you turn to him. You can't change it. You know, the heart is corrupt. You can't change it. That's the second truth. But the Lord can if you turn to him. This is a key problem of of the Pharisees. They're all this human effort. But remember what it said, that that quote from Isaiah that Jesus quotes. He says, your hearts are far from me. That's what's missing. We're We're just trying on our own. They were trying on their own. Their their hearts weren't interested in integrating with God and being submissive to God. And so what's the answer? It's bring your heart near to God. Recognize and admit your utter inability. Just cry out to him. We looked at that last week. Just cry out to him. I can't do this, Lord. Your inability to overcome. Put your trust in him. In in Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
So it, this is a, a kind of watershed moment of saying, I'm done trusting in myself. I'm going outside. I'm going outside the company and get a consultant in here. You know, I'm going outside of me and I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart. Is that you? Is that what you need today? Um, it's, it's being surrendered to Christ. It, being surrendered means yield. Remember the yield sign? It's like, okay, no, you go. No, you go. I'm not going to go. I'm at a yield sign. You're like, Lord, you go. I'm going to go after you. It's to cease resisting. Resisting the truth that I've been talking about today that you've got a problem, a sin problem. It's inside. And you can't put pain over it. It's there. And you have to cease resisting God's desire to change you. It means to trust totally. There, there was a song, I heard it this week. Um, I've heard it a few other times, but it just kind of really hit me. It's a song called Surrendered. It's by Amanda Cook. It's in the notes. You can go on Spotify if you want to um, listen to it. But it, it's a song. It's kind of very repetitive. But here are some of the main lines. I'm yours. When you're surrendered, you're saying to the Lord, I'm yours. What a beautiful thing. It's wrecking, I'm not myself. I'm not owning myself. I'm yours. And, and, and this acknowledgement, this is huge in coming to Christ. You know what's best for me. I do not. See, our culture tells us you know what's best for you. It's a lie. You don't. And I, how do I know that? Everybody, how do you think I know that? Because I know that I don't always know what's best for me. That's how I know that. I'm just a beggar showing some other beggars where the bread is. <laughs> okay? There's no um, hubris in this at all. You know what's best for me, Lord. So I trust you totally. I'll go where you go. Shepherd of my soul. The truth is Christ does what human hands cannot he gives freedom. Are you struggling with the idea that you, you know, you have guilt about what you've done? He forgives. Um, are you concerned, you know, existential uncertainty? Are you concerned about where you're going to spend eternity? Christ gives salvation. Jeremy prayed this earlier. Salvation by grace alone. The saving that he does is out of his goodness. It's by grace. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It's just turn to him. He justifies us. Do you know what that means? I talked about a courtroom earlier. To be justified means that there's a reason for my being all right. And how he does it, we looked at this last week. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. It's called the substitutionary atonement. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. He died in my place. And if I trust him, it's the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Isn't that incredible? That's what Jesus offers. He's the truth. He can do what human hands cannot. He recreates us. You ever heard born again? I know people get ripped on for being born again. I don't care. That's what the scripture says. The scripture says that when Christ comes in, he makes you new. He makes you into a new creation, a new creature after his heart. 
And he empowers us. The, the sin is still there. We're working through the sin. But we're empowered now to overcome when we trust him. My friends, this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What you need, it's kind of like when your computer's messing up. What do you guys do? Help me out. Restart it, yeah. And Zach, you can come on up. Um, re- restart it, reboot it, right? And it's like that, but it's like a new operating system. You need a new operating system. And I want to urge you. So here's, here's the two steps for today that I want to give you, the next steps that you can take. The first one is this. Um, it's choose to surrender. Choose it. You have the blessing of being a human being, which means you have been given the ability to choose what you want to do. And you can choose to be surrendered. You can choose to wave the white flag, admit to to God that you have been trying human effort and that you need him. You can do that. You can put away all your excuses about your sinfulness, like how that person did this and how you grew up in that background and the, the, you know, the cards were stacked against you and all this sort of thing. And I'm not saying your environment wasn't bad. I'm just saying that it's you. It's about you. You can find forgiveness in a fresh start. And I just want to say this, surrender is a continual thing for a follower of Jesus. And this may be the next step for you as a, as a believer. You're, you're in a sin trap or you're in something and it's like you need to surrender again. You need to surrender again. That's the daily walk is surrendering our lives to the will and mission of Christ. It's a daily thing. Here's the second step. It's check out of the bad environments you're in. Check out. You know what you do when you go to the hotel? You stay there one night. And then it's like, it's time to check out. And so what do you do? You go up and you put your key cards there. I don't like, I just like to leave. My wife's like, no, let's put the cards up there. Okay, fine. You know, we'll put the cards up there. But we check out. We're not going back in there. I'm not going, I'm not going to live there. No, I'm done with that place. I'm on, I'm going to live somewhere else. And that's the chance you have is to choose what environment you are in. What are the environments in that are contributing to your sinfulness? It might be social media, quite honestly. I have some articles on social media, by the way, in the notes if you want to see them. Um, it might be, you know, just, just any path that you're on that leads you where you don't want to go. Check out of the bad environments. I'm going to invite you to stand up and we're going to sing because um, Christ is the way maker. You can check out of these bad environments and check into some new environments, like serving. Like to say yes to something, sometimes you have to say no to something else, and so it really makes sense that way. But these bad environments, recognize what they are and check out of them. Dear Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to work in our time here at the end of our gathering. If anyone needs prayer, may they come forward. May they grab a knee up front and surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.